This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The dash to the finish line, which just 11 days to go. President Trump fights for the senior vote in Florida as Joe Biden lays out his plan to end the pandemic. Both candidates make their final case to the voters, and all eyes are on the country's largest battleground, the Sunshine State. Hello, Florida. The president makes his pitch in five rallies over the next three days as former President Obama heads to Miami on Saturday. Tonight, the stunning numbers. Nearly 53 million Americans have already voted, and Democrats are outpacing Republicans two to one. Breaking news. Two leading vaccine makers get the green light to restart their trials in the U.S., plus a huge spike in cases, 71,000 in just one day, as a new model says nearly 165,000 more Americans could die over the next three months. Wildfire emergency. Massive infernos burning out of control as the two worst fires in Colorado history explode and police deputies sprint door to door warning homeowners to get out. Fires close to houses, fires close to our roadways. A 19-year-old under arrest in his possession, a van full of weapons, a checklist with the word execute on it and online searches for Joe Biden's address. Absentee voting from 200 miles above Earth how this astronaut cast her ballot from the International Space Station. And guess who's coming to dinner? Steve Hartman's on the road with a feast fit for a chipmunk. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us as we come on the air tonight. The race for the White House is in overdrive which is 11 days until the election and fresh off their final debate. Tonight, President Trump and former Vice President Biden are focused on firing up their supporters and winning over the few voters who say they still haven't made up their minds. For President Trump, that meant his 15th visit to Florida this year and back-to-back rallies aimed at his base, as tonight he again downplays the coronavirus. For Joe Biden, it means hitting the president hard once again on his handling of the pandemic, saying Mr. Trump has, quote, quit on America. And tonight there is breaking news on just how dramatically cases of the coronavirus are spiking nationwide. Tonight, new infections have reportedly now topped 80,000, and that would be the highest number of new cases in a single day since the pandemic began, and 9,000 more than Thursday. And experts now warn another 165,000 Americans could die by February. Well, tonight, the nation's top infectious disease doctor calls that rapid increase a, quote, precarious place to be. So let's bring in our team of correspondents who is covering this story. And we're going to begin tonight with Ben Tracy, who is in Florida. Ben. 
Nora, good evening. So it's no secret why President Trump is here in Florida tonight. If he doesn't win this state, his path to winning the election overall becomes very narrow. And with just 11 days left, the polls here show the race is a toss-up. Shout to every governor. Tonight, the candidates on the stump and in the home stretch. President Trump trying to turn out a key part of his base, seniors at the village's retirement community in Florida. I'm always here to protect you and love, cherish, defend our nation's seniors. And as the U.S. sets a new record for daily coronavirus cases, the president said this. And we're rounding the turn. We're rounding the corner. We're rounding the corner beautifully. Seniors were key to Mr. Trump's victory in 2016. He won their vote by seven points over Hillary Clinton. But the CBS Battleground Tracker poll shows he's lost that advantage, and seniors now favor Biden. The president's downplaying of coronavirus has turned off some older voters. I think it's very childish. I think he wants to, he's like a toddler. He thinks if he doesn't see it, it'll go away. Trump supporters still defend the president. I think he, he was right to not try to panic people. He tried to stay level-headed. In Delaware today, Joe Biden called the president a quitter. We're more than eight months into this crisis, and the president still doesn't have a plan. He's given up. He's quit on you. He's quit on your family. He's quit on America. Despite a COVID outbreak in the White House... Uh, do you think Sleepy Joe could have made this deal, babies? Not much has changed. Officials in the Oval Office today, shoulder to shoulder, hardly anyone wearing a mask. The image of that is something that may give the wrong impression to people. Dr. Anthony Fauci also revealing today that President Trump hasn't been to a COVID task force meeting in months and that Dr. Scott Atlas, a radiologist, now has the president's ear, not Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. And I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. The contrast on COVID also on display at last night's debate. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. And the Trump campaign is now seizing on comments Biden made about the oil industry. We have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Turning it into an ad today to run in Pennsylvania, an oil-producing swing state. Biden clarified he wanted to end federal subsidies, not the oil industry itself. But with nearly 53 million votes already cast, it's unclear what impact these final arguments will have. In Florida, nearly 5 million votes are in, 44% of them cast by Democrats and 35% by Republicans. More Floridians have voted early than the total number who voted for President Trump in 2016. Now, President Trump plans to add to that vote total by casting his own ballot here in Florida tomorrow. He will then have rallies in North Carolina, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Meanwhile, former President Barack Obama will travel here to Florida tomorrow. He'll be campaigning for Joe Biden in Miami. Nora. Ben Tracy, thank you. We are going to turn now to get more on the coronavirus. That reported spike in cases today is the biggest since the start of the pandemic. Total cases in the U.S. now top 8.4 million. The virus has killed 223,000 Americans. And there's some encouraging news tonight in the race for a vaccine, with two trials now resuming. We get more now from CBS's Meg Oliver. Tonight, both AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson's vaccine trials are back on in the U.S. after hitting pause when volunteers became sick. The green light from the FDA came after investigations found no link between those cases and the vaccine. This news comes as America is grappling with an explosion of COVID cases.
41 states are reporting an increase in average new cases. 15 states have reported record hospitalizations in the last week. Director of the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Francis Collins. This really does become a moment where all Americans have to recognize that each of us individually has a responsibility if we want to turn this around. In Hotspot, Wisconsin, new cases are up nearly 40 percent compared to two weeks ago. 15-year-old Wisconsin resident Ava Pennycook is still suffering from hot flashes and extreme fatigue three months after recovering from COVID. I still feel sick sometimes. Some days are good and then some days aren't. How so? One day, like, I'll have a really bad day and I'll just feel super dizzy and tired and I'll have to, like, take a nap. And the other day, like, I can just do stuff like normally. Tonight, the latest data from researchers at the University of Washington says wearing face masks in public could prevent 100,000 new deaths this winter. 16-year-old Caitlin Evans of Cincinnati, Ohio, is part of the first wave of children to test the Pfizer vaccine, all part of a push to safely inoculate school-age children. I figured, you know, the more people they test, the more information they get, and the sooner they can put out a vaccine to keep everyone safe. As case numbers rise in New Jersey, school districts like here in Booton announced this week they will extend virtual learning until at least January, citing too many at-risk teachers who can't return to in-person and concerns over upcoming holiday travel. Nora. Meg Oliver, thank you. And even with cases spiking in the Midwest, the Big Ten will kick off its college football season this weekend. Story teams like Ohio State and Michigan will take the field after a two-month delay over COVID concerns. But not everyone is cheering. In an open letter to conference officials, the mayors of several Big Ten cities say more steps are needed to limit infections. Tonight, two of the largest fires in Colorado's history are burning dangerously close together, and there are fears that they could merge into one gigantic inferno. Thousands of families have been forced from their homes, and several people are unaccounted for. CBS's Omar Villafranca reports tonight from the fire-ravaged Rocky Mountains. Thousands of feet up, giant plumes of smoke dominate the skies over northern Colorado as crews fight the fire from the air and on the ground. Like these firefighters, flanked by flames as they drive to safety. You are a hero. My hero. Tonight, the second largest wildfire in Colorado history could become the most massive the state has ever seen. It's already burned an area larger than the city of Chicago, and it might merge with an even bigger fire just a few miles away. Can you describe what it looks like in there? I've been uh, in and around wildfire for almost 10 years and I've never seen anything like what we experienced two nights ago where we had 100,000 acres uh, growth in, in a matter of a night. Crews are frantically trying to form a containment line to protect homes near the town of Granby, but officials say it's still too dangerous to get a full assessment of the destruction and possible lives lost. Fires close to houses, fires close to our roadways, uh, propane tanks are still uh, venting off. There's a lot of safety risk up in there. I know people are scared. Deputies have been sprinting door to door, warning homeowners to get out. The governor is also activating the National Guard, but it's too late for Matthew Reed. We got like four bags of clothes out of the house. Everything else is gone. His newly built home in Grand Lake burned to the ground. We've been in our house for 11 months. Took three years to build it and it's gone. Helicopters have been dumping water on hotspots all day. In fact, you can see some flames and smoke on the mountain behind me. The humidity was up today. That's good. 
and crews are hoping that snow in the weekend forecast will help them get this fire finally under control. Nora? So worried about those families. Omar Villafranca, thank you. Newly released court documents indicate that a man found with a van full of weapons and explosive materials may have been plotting to harm Joe Biden. If so, it would be the latest violent threat against the former vice president to be uncovered by authorities. Here's CS's Jeff Pegues. Prosecutors say 19-year-old Alexander Traceman, arrested for possessing child pornography, posted evidence of wanting to kill presidential candidate Joe Biden. On his phone and social media, they found images from mass killings and an Internet meme captioned, Should I kill Joe Biden? Court documents show Thiesman had a fascination with mass shootings and had swastika drawings in his van. Court papers say in early May he drove to within four miles of Joe Biden's Delaware home after purchasing an AR-15 style rifle. Was this a real threat? You know, whenever somebody's amassing weapons and wants to, you know, do damage, I mean, it's always potentially dangerous. This comes just days after we learned about a man in Maryland arrested for leaving a handwritten note threatening to beat and kill Biden and running mate Kamala Harris. And weeks after the arrest of seven militia members in Michigan for allegedly plotting to kidnap and potentially kill Michigan's governor. And that's what happens when there's fear and anxiety and the political discussion is about scoring political points. With the election looming, federal authorities say they've seen a change in what is fueling domestic threats. Now this year, uh, the lethal attacks, domestic terrorism, lethal attacks we have, have I think all fit in the category of anti-government, anti-authority. Prosecutors have only charged Traceman with child pornography. He has pleaded not guilty. His attorney says that he has Asperger syndrome. Citing all the evidence in this case, a judge, judge ordered that he remain behind bars. Nora. Jeff Begays, thank you. President Trump's performance in the polls has Republicans worried about the race's down ballot. In the Senate, Republicans are defending 23 seats, Democrats just 12. If Democrats flip just a handful of seats from red to blue, they would win control of the Senate. We get more now from CBS's Nancy Cordes. With 11 days to go, Republicans are worried that the president's sagging poll numbers and controversial campaign style could cost them not just the White House, but the Senate, too. I felt kind of bad after the first debate, quite frankly. I felt good last night. Take Senator Lindsey Graham, who is running for re-election in the ruby-red state of South Carolina, but is now virtually tied with Democrat Jamie Harrison, who has outraised him by tens of millions of dollars. The CBS News battleground tracker shows Republican incumbents trailing by four points in Iowa, 10 points in North Carolina, and 11 points in Arizona. With the Senate currently split 53 to 47, Democrats need to net just three or four seats to win control. And there are plenty of ways for them to do it. Of the 14 races CBS News considers very or somewhat competitive, 12 involve seats currently held by Republicans. With Democrats now pouring money into reach states like Kansas and Texas, GOP donors have rushed in to level the playing field. Casino magnate Sheldon Adelson and his wife giving $75 million. But it doesn't help that senators are stuck in Washington, finalizing the confirmation of Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett instead of back home campaigning. Senate leader Mitch McConnell is hoping to wrap up soon. He's up for re-election, too. We will give this nominee 
the vote she deserves. Even if Democrats have a good night on election night, we still may not know which party controls the Senate for months. That's because there are two Senate races in Georgia that look like they are going to go to runoff elections with Nora. Get this, won't take place until January. Incredible. Nancy Cordes, thank you. You can count astronaut Kate Rubens among the nearly 53 million Americans who voted early. She cast her ballot from the space station on Thursday. Mission Control took it from there, relaying it to the Harris County clerk in Houston. Rubens is no stranger to the process. She also voted from space in 2016. COVID isn't keeping a Massachusetts woman from visiting her 90-year-old mother in a nursing home. MJ Ryan tells our CBS Boston station, WBZ, that she took a part-time job doing laundry at the nursing home so that she could see her mom. MJ says after the first visit, mom's spirits brightened. Lots of way to get things done. Did you hear about the new restaurant in Georgia? It has outside dining. All the ingredients are locally sourced, and there's never an empty table. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. For Atlanta-based food writer Angela Hansberger, this pandemic has been hard to swallow. Can't write about restaurants when they're closed. I was facing a lot of anxiety. I kind of hit it. Um, gosh, I'm crying. <laughs> um, I was really sad for all the people in the industry that I worked with. Angela says she had to get her mind off it. Tarragon. So, using ingredients from her garden and her encyclopedic knowledge of fine dining, Angela opened her own restaurant on her front porch, where she now serves chipmunk. This chipmunk. The little guy has had a standing lunch reservation for months now. Whether it's veggie pizza and a side salad or imitation sushi with walnut wontons, every day, Angela goes to remarkable lengths for her exclusive clientele. Took a while to try and make little tortillas that I could fold to put the, <laughs> to put the, I love the way that you're shaking. Well, I love how you're realizing how crazy it sounds as you're saying it. <laughs> Today, it's mini spaghetti with tiny date meatballs and a thimbleful of breadsticks. The chipmunk, who she named Thelonious Monk, typically arrives within seconds of serving eats his fill, and packs the rest to go in his cheeky doggy bag. And the reviews have been good? The reviews have been great. One day he came up with this little tiny bundle, wadded up leaves, and put it on the table. So I take it to mean he brought a tip. Still, you get the sense that he remains skeptical, like there's got to be a catch. Angela's cat wishes there was a catch. There he is. But there will be none of that, because for Angela... This little bit of silliness has become her daily sustenance. What has it done for you? It's brought joy. I have more videos of this chipmunk than I have of my children. (laughs) (laughs) We all need to find a way to cope during this pandemic, which is why I'm giving Shay Angela my highest rodent restaurant rating. Three stripes. Steve Hartman, CBS News, on the road. That's a new one. 
And next week on the CBS Evening News, we'll broadcast from CBS News election headquarters in Times Square with reporting from key battleground states in the final week of the campaign. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.